Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. Here is the deal. Let me kind of go through what we know, and then I want to discuss this with you. It's just mind-boggling, and it might not technically be illegal, but if it's not, it should be. The reality is no car insurance, no problem. Nuts to that. Let's get them off the road. Impound the cars. Make the streets safer. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. What are those people talking about? You got a deal. A deal is a deal. Stop whining about it. Live up to its obligations. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So glad to have you with us. All right. One of my jobs and one of my purposes is to try to give some perspective on what is going on, this common experience we all have. And I understand a lot of times the news is relentlessly bad. You turn on the television, you look at the national broadcasts, and you, you hear the numbers. And, and particularly in some areas of this country, what is going on with coronavirus? A- absolutely unbelievable. If you look at, for example, what it's doing to New York City, which is now the epicenter of the coronavirus in the United States. At the same time, some rays of positivity, Dow Jones Industrials, and I understand some people don't think you should talk about money at all. Well, okay, that's easy to say after the last month where we have all sorts of people, all different ages, who have watched their net worth decline dramatically. After yesterday, which was the largest day increase in the Dow Jones Industrial Average in 87 years, I think um, a lot of us thought there might be some sort of a pullback today, but because it appears that Nancy Pelosi notwithstanding. They're closer to getting this uh, stimulus package passed. Dow Jones Industrials up over a 1,000 points right now. That's another bump of 5.28%. Now, look, I understand at 21,800, we're still way below where we were a month ago, but nevertheless, it's moving in the right direction. Now, I'm not going to suggest that there's not going to be bumps and it might not go back down or anything like that. I'm just saying if you've been just watching the relentlessly bad news out of the stock market for the last four or five weeks, the last couple days have been a bit encouraging. So take that as for what it is worth. I also want to offer just, again, a little bit of perspective on what is going on. And today is the first day of essentially the the stay at home and let's close all non-essential businesses. Now, I think you can fairly, and I certainly do, quibble with some of the businesses that have been ordered to be closed. I mean, I, I was trying to make this point yesterday. If you've got the, the, the two-person picture frame store um, and you're saying, okay, that business has to close, well, my, my question is kind of what, what purpose does that really accomplish when you're leaving the big box retailer open where all sorts of people are going to be in there as opposed to the mom-and-pop uh, jewelry store where maybe, you know, maybe they have four or five customers coming in in a day that's not, it seems to me, where the likelihood of this virus is going to spread and comes from. But, but I acknowledge that that is quibbling. Now, let's again give some perspective here. Wisconsin, 5.8 million people. As of this morning, there were 541 cases, confirmed cases, of coronavirus. There had been five deaths. That, that number's been kind of static, and that's a good thing for you know the, the last couple days. 
obviously there's going to be more cases, and obviously and unfortunately there's going to be more deaths. But but that's where we stand. There's been 8,500 tests that have been administered, and uh, again, the vast majority of them, over 8,000, has been they've, they've come back negative, which tells me people going in with symptoms of like a flu or a cold or something like that, and thankfully it doesn't turn out to be coronavirus. So if you also look at where the majority of the cases are, it's no surprise it's in dense urban areas. The majority of the cases in Wisconsin right now are in the city of Milwaukee, and actually even in particular neighborhoods in the city of Milwaukee. For the vast majority of the state, it's not like this is raging through. And I'm not saying, again, that you shouldn't stay home. I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't follow orders. I'm just saying for people who are completely and totally freaked out that, oh, my, my gosh, we're all going to die from this, that, that's, not, that's not what the statistics are showing. You need to be careful. We need to stop the spread of this. We need to be smart so we can get back on track as, as soon as possible. Now, to that point... Yesterday afternoon, Governor Evers had a, a press conference, and they, they, they had one of their, their medical people who came out and said, okay, without the strict action that the governor was ordering yesterday, they estimated that within the next two weeks, we could have 22,000 cases of coronavirus. Now, we have 541 now, and we could have between 440 and 1,500 COVID-19 deaths. And, of course, that's been the headline for the last 24 hours, dire warnings. Now, again, in, in making the remarks I'm about to make, I'm not downplaying this. I think we need to be smart. We need to stay home. We need to follow these various instructions to stop this from spreading. A- at the same time, I would have liked to have had somebody in the media ask the question, about, okay, where are these numbers coming from? What is the methodology? I know they said, oh, it's this John Hopkins study, but I, I'm curious legitimately as to the methodology they use that said, what what were the assumptions that said that in two weeks we go from 541 to 22,000 cases and we go to five, from five deaths to 1,500? Because candidly, that strikes me, just if you do the math, that strikes me as being, well, uh, just unreasonable. But, I mean, again, it, maybe maybe they're out there. I just don't think we need to panic people. We need to have a rational conversation about this. And if you're using grossly inflated numbers to try to scare people into doing the right thing, okay, th- that, that might be fine, but you're, at the same time, you're just scaring people. And we need to have a common-sense approach to this. We need to have a candid conversation. And, again, I would have liked to have seen somebody say, okay, exactly what, what are the assumptions? How do we go in two weeks from five to 1,500? Which, again, strikes me as being just a huge, a huge increase. Now, does that, again, mean that we don't pay attention to coronavirus and we don't follow instructions and we don't do social distancing? Of course not. But we also, I don't think, want to terrify people unless there is a statistical basis for doing that. And we certainly don't want to become New York. But if you look at the state of Wisconsin, there are many, many counties that have 
almost no incidence of coronavirus. And that's great. We want to keep it out of there. We, we want to be smart. And we want to handle that. But at the same time, do we perhaps need to start targeting our response and saying, okay, we want to concentrate our resources. If we've got a problem in, in Madison because of the density, if we've got a problem in the city of Milwaukee because of population density in certain areas, all right, is that an area where maybe we need to take our quarantine further? I mean, maybe we need to do more. I, I just raise these various issues, and we're going to discuss this over the course of, well, over the course of the next couple hours. Now, one of the things that has generated this huge amount of controversy involving the shutdowns has been controversy over President Trump's remark that, well, he wants to try to have the country opened up back by, by April or by Easter. And that's a couple weeks. And you have a number of people who think that that's absolutely unreasonable. And I was looking at a column in the Los Angeles Times today written by somebody who says, tell us, Mr. President, just how many corona deaths are worth it to save the economy. That's the question that's asked. On our program yesterday, at the end of the show, what ended up happening is I had a, a, a caller call up, and she said, you know, I think we need to shut down the country. I think, and we need to shut down the country until we can guarantee that people are going to be safe. And I said, well, how, how, how long are you going to do that? He said, it doesn't matter. We've got to shut down the country. We can't expose people to this virus. People will, will die. And if it means it's going to be a year, then we shut the country down for a year. If it means that it's going to be 18 months, then we shut the country down for 18 months. It doesn't matter. If we destroy the economy and if we throw half the country out of jobs, doesn't matter. We have to guarantee that people aren't going to catch the coronavirus. And I thought that was kind of an, an interesting point, if somewhat unrealistic, because let's be honest, coronavirus is going to be with us for the foreseeable future. I mean, they're, they're a year, year and a half away from developing a vaccine. And even when they develop a vaccine, there's going to be people who refuse to take it or at least refuse to take the first generation or the second generation of it. So coronavirus is always going to be with us. What we're trying to do right now, and they use that phrase, flatten the curve, what they're trying to do right now is to stop the health systems in this country from being overwhelmed with a sudden rush of people. So many people need to be hospitalized that the medical system is just overwhelmed and can't handle it. We're trying to level that out. But the truth of the matter is, I, I don't see, and coronavirus is going to be with us for the foreseeable future. So it's going to be something that we have to live with. All right, but, but this notion is we, we can't let anybody die. We have to keep everything shut down. We have to keep everybody locked up for as long as it takes in order to guarantee that people aren't going to get sick. All right, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, is that a reasonable position to take? And, and again, right now what we're trying to do is flatten the curve, spread it out, give the medical health professionals a chance to catch up to get the resources they need to stop them from being overwhelmed by what they call the, the surge. But, I mean, how, how long do we do that? You know, can, can we shut the country down for a year? 
Now, nobody is talking about that. At least I don't think the governor's talking about that. Um, President Trump, he says he wants to get the country back rolling in a couple weeks. I don't know how realistic that is, but there's some people who are suggesting doesn't matter. we got to shut down the country for as long as it takes. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. That makes no sense to me. But what do you think? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, it's not reasonable to shut down a year or more, but keep things closed until we can have some type of control or order on this virus. Well, I, I think what you have to do, and that's where I, our emphasis, I believe, needs to be right now, is getting the testing kits out there, making sure that the medical professionals have the masks, have the gowns, trying to flatten the curve. But, uh, again, then what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to start concentrating on, okay, where are the hot spots? Jeff, if people have no money, no food, no supplies, there won't be a country in six years or not. Um, Jeff, a depression would not make us safer. Uh, let's see. There's a Stanford study that shows a death rate of less than 0.1%. That would be an indication that this cure could be more damaging than disease. We need a surgical approach, and we need to evaluate, reevaluate every few days with regard to reopening commerce. I See, I, I agree. I think you need a surgical approach. I, I don't know if Easter is too soon. Don't know if a month is too long. I, I think what's going to happen is it's going to be gradual over time. But but can you ever guarantee? And again, I know this is not the flu. I understand it. You don't have to send me texts. I get it. It's not the flu. I understand it's more contagious and it, it's more deadly. But still, we, we have 93 people in Wisconsin who died from the flu last year. We have 240-plus who died from pneumonia, and, and we don't close down the state for that. I get that this is different than the flu, though. All right, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with James in Milwaukee. James, you're first. Good afternoon. How are you doing, Jeff? Good. What do you think? Well, I heard your dog there barking, so is, is, was that yeah, approval we, or was that disapproval? Well, the the dog it was a, it was somebody coming to the front door is what it was. Oh, okay. <laughs> but oh, okay. you don't have rings, so that you could bring them out, huh? <laughs> no, she hears uh, the ring. Thank you, James. What okay. do you think we do about this? Well, I think every two weeks, and I, I think that what we really need to do is have the movie stars, the music, the, uh, uh, and everybody else that's got power for the younger generation, for the millennials, and everybody else. That everybody wants to listen. That listens to them. Uh, Spread the darkened world word, not spread the virus, but spread the word and and show that make some make some um, move, uh, what do you call these uh, videos and all this other stuff. Hey, if they got the po- if they got the power to get these people moving uh, to buy stuff, you know uh, the music and everything else. Why not use them to to to, to kind of buoyant this darkened thing here and get the darkened economy back going, going and everything else. I think if if we don't. Uh, this younger generation isn't doesn't really get it. They, you know, whatever. Well, Jim, it th- is. Thanks for the call. I mean, I mean, here here's the deal. I mean, obviously, 
we, we need to take this seriously. And I don't think anybody would suggest that, that we don't. It, it's, it's a big deal. And I, I mean, I, I cringe just like everybody else did when I see these sign, these things of all these spring breakers going and hanging out on, on the beach. And then some of them catch this and then they come back. And, and, and look, I mean, here's the other truth of this. The vast majority of people who contract this are, are going to be fine. I mean, there, there's a lot of people who walk around who, who might have this. They're asymptomatic. I mean, it's just it's just so mild they don't notice it. Now, that's not to say that, you know, there are certain particularly vulnerable people who, who get this, and it can have devastating consequences. But th- this isn't the plague where there's like a 50% death rate. So you have to keep in perspective. But I agree. I, I cringe when I see some of these young people, uh, again, who, who think they're invincible and, and maybe Maybe they are. Maybe if they get COVID-19, it's just going to be a very, very mild case, not even as bad as like a seasonal flu. But if they bring it home and they give it to their grandmother who's in the nursing home, well, it, it could be a much different story. Steve in Green Bay. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Howdy. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, we got to get people back to work. Uh, I, I think this is any epidemiology is really about probability and risk. That's what all the decisions are made on. I mean, if you want to be completely risk-free, you shouldn't get in your car and drive to work. And yeah. I think you've got to balance that. If you look at what's going on in certain parts of the country, places where you, you know, New York, hell, you don't want people to do yeah. anything there for quite a while. But, you know, you look at North Dakota or someplace else, or even most of the counties in Wisconsin, there really isn't that much of a risk. You know, you got to start it up somehow. And you know, you look at the what's happened in just the last couple of weeks. Imagine what people's 401ks would be if you went a whole year. So I think yeah. you got to get you know, people back to work. you got to do it safely you know, Steve, and based I, on talent, science, and statistics. But that's what you got to do. you have to do it. I see, and you have to do it. Thanks for the call. And, and that's kind of my point. You have to do it surgically. You have to concentrate the and see what are we starting to learn? We're starting to learn. Okay, it's a density issue. By that, I mean that this. This and it makes sense. Okay, it's very, very contagious. So you know, it, it goes into in in New York. You have a very urban area where you have <clears throat> lots of people living in a small space, and, and it ends up spreading. It's why it seems to me <clears throat> that you you know you you put your resources there around here. Like I say, the most cases are in Milwaukee County, and actually in just a small se- a, a section at least of, of Milwaukee. That's where we want to concentrate our our resources, and you want to try to keep this under control. Obviously, you want to try to stop the spread as much as possible. You want to flatten out the curve, but at the same time, you to just simply say, okay, well we're we're going to shut down this country. We're not going to let people go back to work. We're not going to open restaurants, for example. We're going to destroy all these different industries um, until we can guarantee that there is a vaccine 18 months from now. To me, that's not a realistic approach either. We need to be smart. We need to be surgical. And right now, we need to be getting testing kits, and we need to be getting gowns, and we need to be getting the face masks to the medical professionals who are on the front line. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk to people who have been, well, casualties of the war on coronavirus. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, the the numbers came out last week, 101,000 
new unemployment claims. That's over a nine-day period as the coronavirus concerns close businesses. Now, it's not all the governor's order closing the businesses. Now, some of that is true, but there's a lot of industries where, I mean, candidly, they're, they're just shutting down because the demand has completely disappeared. If you're looking at what's going on in the airline industry, I mean, there's just nobody's flying. You know, the people aren't flying right now for whatever reason, so you have people being laid off. If you work in the hotel industry, even if hotels are allowed to stay open, okay, well, there's nobody traveling, there's nobody staying there, you don't need people, people are getting laid off. I don't even want to talk about the impact that this is having on, for example, commission salespeople and things like that. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you're getting hit by this, how bad is it? How long can you last? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with Grover in Milwaukee. Good afternoon. <laughs> Hello? Hi. You're on the air. Good oh. afternoon. Hi. Oh, oh hi. Uh, yeah. Uh, I work, uh, I'm a banquet server and a banquet bartender at uh, the uh, Hilton, mainly downtown. Right. And uh, they, uh, you know, everybody that... Uh, you know, all of our events are more than ten people, so that they uh, they have us on uh, on hold right now. We're on unemployment, uh, waiting for uh, things to get better. Right. How how much of how hard is this? How long do you think you can last before it really becomes a hardship? Well, you know, it's it's a hardship psychologically right away, but uh, they have us on unemployment. Um, uh, in, in my case, I can make about 370 bucks a week for, right. uh, you know, the duration of that. Uh, I'm pretty thrifty. Uh, I, I think I can hang in there, uh, for, you know, a few months at least. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, that the, the worst of it has, uh, gone through and, and, you know, that we'll start to get some, benefit from the stimulus that they're talking about yeah hey grover thanks for the call i i just i, I appreciate that you know it's interesting i was i was just talking about that with my wife yesterday i had um over the course of a matter of fact there was a a banquet that i was scheduled to attend i think like a week ago wednesday or something and and it was it was called off because of of these concerns maybe it was two weeks ago and i was thinking gosh all, all the people in your situation all the people that you know work those, those banquets canceled i was scheduled you know every year i do something for the boy scouts for waukesha county it's an eagle scout thing big banquet hundreds and hundreds of people got the notice yesterday that that was being canceled every year i mc something in connection with armed forces week big gala hundreds and hundreds of people huge banquet got a notice over the weekend that 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 ended up being canceled and i mean i'm just thinking about the impact that this is having on on obviously the places that stage the banquets these are big events but also on the folks again like you who are the ones that are out there that you're you're the servers now i, I you, you that money is never coming back that's just the unfortunate reality of this because if it's an annual event or something well okay they'll they'll stage it next year hopefully but you're you're not going to you're not going to get it back and and those are those are the people that I, I think we need to do everything we possibly can to try to help out to get you back to when there is some sort of sense of normalcy. Dale in Waukesha. Dale, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. 
Good afternoon, sir. Yeah, I mean, uh, they've talked about people that are going on unemployment because they've been laid off due to this virus. Uh, The problem I have is is I was laid off before uh, the virus came through, and my unemployment's going to be running out, and I can't get a job. I can't interview. Um, everybody is closing down, so they're not hiring. And I was an IT specialist, so, I mean, you know, the IT support isn't there right now because nobody's working. Right, right. Now, you I know, don't know. Um, See, part of, this, part of this stimulus, he is adding an extra nine, I think, 12 weeks or 16 weeks to unemployment. Now, hopefully you'll be able to, to qualify for that. I mean, thanks to call the I No, I mean, I understand it. That's because that's the other group of individuals who are getting hit hard by this, but it's people who were out in the, the labor market because I, I, I have – I have a, a friend who's, whose son just starting out his career in, in the auto, he's a car salesman. Okay, gonna be, I think he's got a lot of potential, think he's gonna be really good at it, but I mean, nobody's buying cars nowadays. So regardless of whether, you know, he doesn't live in Wisconsin, but regardless of whether, you know, that, that industry, the car sales, is it a, is it a necessary business that stays open? Or is it not? It, do, it doesn't matter because they're laying off all the people that sell cars because there's just not a demand for that. And if you're a commission salesperson, even if they're not laying you off, all right, if nobody's coming in to buy cars right now, I mean, you're not making any money anyways, whether it's open or not. And those, see, the, these are the, the stories. These are the faces of this. And again, I'm, I'm not arguing that we shouldn't be doing the shutdown. I'm just thinking that there is a vast scope of, of harm that's being caused, not just to the overall economy. So for everybody who says, oh, don't, don't, don't measure it by looking at what the stock market's doing on a t- different day, that, that, that's not it. It's the real people that are out there that, you know, have, have families to support and have mortgage payments that they have to make and things like that. They're the folks who are, you know, just getting hit <clears throat> Really, really hard. Is a text, Jeff. I take care of green plants. I officially got laid off yesterday. There are going to be massive plant casualties. When this is over, there will be a shortage of plants as we try to replace them. Um, yeah. Jeff, I've been fighting for Social Security for two years, haven't received a paycheck in that amount of time. Welcome to my world, and, and I don't get a stimulus check. Look, and I, I, I understand that there's a lot of people that are hurting, and this is <clears throat> one of the reasons I'm perhaps more sensitive to this than others is my wife worked in the hospitality industry her, her entire life. And, you know, the, you want to look at, at an industry that's just through no fault of its own getting devastated. And I am not arguing that we should have the restaurants open now. I, I get it. But, you know, here you have people, a lot of folks who, I don't know if it's fair to say work paycheck to paycheck, but a lot of people who can't go without a paycheck for a month or two without it having a significant impact on on their lifestyle, on their ability to pay their bills and things like that. And and now you have that that whole rug pulled out from under them. And I guess what I, I seriously wonder is as this goes on, and I think it is a reasonable reasonable point to say all right like we don't we don't want to go back to normal whatever normal is going to be at the risk of public safety i understand that but there still has to be something for people to go back to and the longer and longer this goes i mean i i wonder 
you know, how many restaurants can afford to be closed for for a month? And, and even though I, I understand that restaurants can can open up to do now curbside service and things like that, that that's got to be a fraction. You know, may, maybe that's ten percent of the business they were doing. I know a lot of restaurants that even though they could do takeout or could do the delivery, they, they've decided not to because it just doesn't generate enough revenue to make it worthwhile. I, we, we've got to be mindful of that as well. Do we want to rush businesses open, and do we want to endanger public safety? Of, of course not. But there's a there's a real face on the flip side of this for people who aren't able to practice their their livelihood. A little bit later on in in the program, I, I want to talk to you about a specific industry. There, there's all this talk about about movie theaters. You know, the movie industry, the theater industry, was something that was hurting, you know, big time to begin with. Okay, so now what do you do now that, you know, people get out of that habit of going to movies? Will there be this pent-up demand that as soon as all the movie theaters open, people flock in? Or will it be, hey, you know, I've, I've kind of gotten used to sitting in my living room and watching the shows. Eddie and Franklin. Eddie, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Good to hear your voice again. Yes, sir. Um, I am, uh, I'm a professional musician. It's my, it's my oh. second job and that's an industry that, that not talk a whole lot about, you know, and there is no unemployment for that. And so many of my friends that are actually full time professionals in the industry, they have no recourse. There's nothing they can do. There's nothing that they can, you know, try to, uh, right. change up with that. I mean, the festival season's been pretty much canceled, summer fest being moved yeah. up and all that. It's really like no end in sight for us, and uh, oh, I mean, yeah. not to mention, you know, it's it's an outlet. You know, on top of everything, this is it's a labor of love, and you know, we're just pretty much all in dire straits right now. Yeah, you know, Eddie, it's it's interesting. I I, I love live music, and I love going to a lot of the smaller venues around here. I was just at one month and a half ago or so it was like a, one of those coffee shops that they turned into you know they turned into a little concert hall it, it was a great venue you saw a couple new newer younger bands loved it a lot i really enjoyed it and i'm thinking you're you're right though you know if that's your livelihood it's done, not because they say you can't play music, but you don't have a venue to go to play music anymore, and we don't know when that's going to change. Um, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. And th- these are, I mean, these are the faces. These are the voices of some of these stories. So, you know, when, when we talk about getting back to normal and we talk about being safe, we, we have to all keep this in mind because we're all kind of in this together. But economically, there's lots of people who need help. That's why I hope the stimulus thing gets through as quickly as it possibly can. And I understand it's not going to reach everybody and it's not going to be enough for a lot of the people that are hurting, but it, at least it's something. Let's take a break. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Back for more. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. Coronavirus might be postponing the start of the brewer season. Matter of fact, opening day was supposed to be tomorrow. Uh, the game plan was, as has been the case over the last several years, I was going to be broadcasting in the morning out at Miller Park. And as we did last year, I was going to be joining my colleague Steve Scafidi. We were going to be in the dugout. <clears throat> um, not going to happen. But even though we're postponing the start of the brewer season, Opening day, well, opening day is opening day. You can tune into WTMJ this Thursday. That would be tomorrow at 6 o'clock at night for a Brewers Classic. The game is simply titled Not Today. Don't mean to give away the end of it, but we're airing the 2019 opening day win over the St. Louis Cardinals. Tune in this Thursday at 6 o'clock as our very own Bob Euchre calls Brewers Baseball. 
Brewers Classic is sponsored by Badger Mutual, Boucher Automotive, and Network Health. Hey, coming up in the next hour of the program, um, right around 1 o'clock, Republican leaders in the state um, who've, who've really have kind of taken a back seat while Governor Evers has been rolling out his different proposals and his different orders, which, I mean, have, have escalated over the course of the last two weeks on almost a daily basis. They're going to be holding a press conference. We're going to try to dip into that right after the top of the hour. And then um, Governor Evers and presumably some of his health officials, they're going to be giving a briefing at 1.30. We're going to try to dip into that as well just to kind of keep you informed as to what it is that's going on. Okay, so we're, or at least many of us, are frustrated that we're stuck at home, that we're told, okay, don't go out, that we're a lot of the things that we typically do we're, we're not able to do. Well, an, an acquaintance of mine, actually a friend, somebody I used to work with in another life, sent me an email He's he's stuck in Peru, and and, and I, I will say this, he, he's got kind of the right attitude. So if you're frustrated being stuck at home, here, here's the email. Jeff, we're stuck at the Marriott Convention Center, which candidly is the absolute blessed place to be if you're in Cusco, Peru. The bar, restaurant are all self-contained. We're allowed to go out, and there's several little markets within half a block from the hotel. You can't walk the streets without a mask, otherwise you are confronted by the police. Um, Ron Johnson's office has been excellent in keeping in constant email contact. On Friday, we had word the State Department had approved charter flights to come to Peru, but as of Monday, there's still some issues with the Peruvian government. When we do walk the streets, we take our iPhone translator and have a phrase in there that says we're going to the pharmacy, so the soldiers and the police let you pass. So, I mean, for everybody who's frustrated that we're being told to voluntarily stay at home, He's trying to walk the streets of the city where he's in, <clears throat> and they're confronted on a regular basis by soldiers and police. At 11,200 feet elevation, walking with a mask here is not easy. There's about 100 guests holed up here from all around the world. Um, everyone's a seasoned traveler, so it, it's okay. At least this hotel has quite a few English-speaking space stations on the TV. Hopefully the State Department can negotiate a flight out of here because it is not inexpensive where we're staying. If not, we have a flight booked on April 2nd, but who knows with the Peruvian government. We've been traveling in South America since February 27th, so we're more than ready to get home. Um, you know what? <clears throat> Man, so if you're... Again, if you're frustrated with, with having to, to be at home and say, gosh, I'm stuck in my office or I'm, I'm bored with things to do and I wish I could go out and meet my buddies in a bar or something like that, I, I feel your pain. But trust me, I mean, I know people, like I say, that they're, they're, they're stuck in Peru hoping that, you know, best case scenario is maybe they can get a plane back to be, you know, safer at home in the United States. But that's a challenge. So, we're all in this together. We're all in this uh, globally. So the bottom line is, you know, be smart, take care. All right, when we come back, we're going to hear from Republican leadership. And then what I want to discuss with you is this very, very real issue. You know, we two weeks from yesterday, we're scheduled to have an election. It's an important election. My guess is you haven't been paying much attention at all to the candidates because, well, we've got something else going on. I've been given this a lot of thought. We talked about this a little bit late yesterday. I, I think there's only one thing that we can do. We will discuss in just a couple minutes. Don't go anywhere. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 
And good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Um, the Republican leaders in the state assembly and senate are scheduled to have a media availability, a press conference. I was supposed to kick off a couple minutes ago. It hasn't started yet. My intention is to dip into it just a little bit because we haven't heard collectively from, again, Republican leadership over the course of the last couple weeks. Um, in addition, Governor Tony Evers, um, he has his daily briefing, and uh, that's scheduled to start around 1.30. We're going to dip into that as well. You know, I um, I mentioned this yesterday, and, and the latest developments, the developments over the last 24 hours have not been any more encouraging. And this is, it's a, it's just, it's a kick in the teeth to the Milwaukee area. And, and that is the Democratic National Convention, which was scheduled to be Milwaukee, July 13th through the 16th. The I, I, Look, and I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. This having this in Milwaukee is a big deal, and it would have been a big deal if, in fact, you know, if it if it had happened. And they, they haven't made any final decisions. But here's the bottom line: you are going to have about fifty thousand people that were going to be coming to the southeastern Wisconsin in general and the city of Milwaukee in particular. Those people would be staying at hotel rooms scattered throughout the area. Those people would be eating at restaurants. Those people would be drinking at bars. Those people would be taking in a number of the attractions that we have here. And you know what? I believe a good chunk of those people who ended up coming would leave with a very, very positive impression of Milwaukee in the summer and might actually be inclined to, you know, come back at at some point in time. What is going on now has put the Democratic National Convention in in serious jeopardy. And officials aren't saying anything publicly. And, and look, I, I want it to happen. I'm just telling you, I just the more I look at this, I, I don't understand how it can occur under this particular time frame. Now, the Democratic National Convention is scheduled for July 13th to the 16th. Summerfest was scheduled for the end of June through early July. Summerfest has already said we've got to postpone. So they're 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 kicking it back because now Summerfest has a different dynamic because they've got to book bands and things like that. But at the same time, I think they were realizing that with the uncertainty that's going on here, who knows necessarily what the world's going to look like and how much time was it going to take to re-gear once we get back to normal, whatever normal ends up being. Okay, we're gonna I'll finish my thoughts in just a minute, but let's dip in. Here's Assembly Speaker Robin Voss. Emily Fannin from WKOW. Uh, somebody just unmuted. So I have a question. Hello? Hi, can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Who is it? Yeah. Hi, this is Victor from CBS 58. Yep, hi, Victor. Hi. Uh, in some of the uh, things that Governor Evers has said, uh, he, he said that some things will require some legislative action. Uh, are you and Majority Leader Fitzgerald looking okay. at uh, okay? This is Jeff to, Wagner. W- to, to kind of reconvene, and is there anything? Let's. We apparently they're just taking phoned-in media questions. There's not necessarily a statement. We'll 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 run on that, and then we'll determine you know what what exactly if there's anything newsworthy that ends up coming out of of that. But. Republican leadership, you know, addressing issues. And we'll continue to keep you up uh, up on that. I thought we were originally thought that there might be a statement or something like that that's coming out. In any event, we were talking a minute ago about the Democratic National Convention. I just, 
again, regardless of what side of the aisle you're on, this was going to be a big deal for Milwaukee, and you certainly hope it, it happens. But the, the more time goes on, it becomes more and more difficult to see how this is going to occur. First of all, I, I mean, I don't know, but my guess is the people on the front lines of planning this have got to be just just absolutely stunned by everything that's going on. Host committee needs to raise $70 million. And if you will recall, the, the host committee went through a, a shakeup a couple months ago where the people that had been brought in from what I believe it was New Jersey, they were they were let go. And so it kind of started from scratch again. I, I just I can't imagine in this environment right now where you've got businesses that are shut down, where you've got people that are being laid off um, with all the uncertainty that's out there, it, from the perspective of going out and having to raise tens of millions of dollars, I, I don't know how you do that. In addition, they need 15,000 volunteers. Okay, you need 15,000 volunteers. I don't know how, at this point in time, you, you go out and you recruit, recruit those, those people. Where are these folks going to come from? Because my guess is, right now, there's not too many people in our area who are thinking about, gee, I, I want to volunteer to be a runner at the Democratic National Convention, more like thinking, gee, when am I going to be able to go back to work or when am I going to be able to go outside? So through no fault of anybody's, it's not pointing fingers, it's just kind of the reality of what's happening. I, I, how do you do all the logistics? Then, of course, you've got the uncertainty that's out there. What about the people who are scheduled to travel? A little bit later on in the show, I want to talk to you about how you personally feel about travel and things like that, but uh, but I'll tell you, I'm scheduled to go with my with my family to Disney World in in June. Okay, now June's a little bit sooner than July. Who knows if Disney World's going to be open? Who knows what the airlines are going to be doing? Right now, if you look at what's happened in the airline industry, you're seeing that they've cut back in general flights by fifty percent or or more. So, all right, if you're a delegate, you're scheduled to come to Milwaukee. Right, you're sitting there. If you haven't made your travel arrangements, what how how are you going to get here? What's that going to be? How comfortable do you feel about flying on planes from the perspective of hotels? I mean, you have hotels that are shut down or operating at a fraction of their capacity. And again, hopefully this is all going to change. Hopefully we're going to get back and running as soon as possible. But this is this degree of uncertainty. So there's, you know, one story after another talking about, you know, what's going on. The Democratic National Committee insisting that the convention is still on. But like I say, a lot of people just just aren't buying it because they just don't see the practicality. What the Democrats did this time around is they moved up their convention to, again, mid-July. The Republican convention isn't until late August. Democrats moved it up because they, they wanted the spotlight first. It, it, I think it made sense in 2016. Now, given everything that's going on in the world, it doesn't necessarily make as, as much sense. But I, I just look at all this, and I'm hoping that people can figure out a way to pull it together. But I just I, I don't see how that is going to happen. I was very much looking forward to broadcasting from Radio Row down there. I thought that would be a very cool experience. I just don't see how that's going to end up happening. And I would not be surprised, given the fact that the drama has gone out of the Democratic race for, for president, given the fact that all the drama has gone out, that the need for people to come from you know all 50 states and a number of the territories that that perhaps isn't as dramatic given what's going on in the rest of the world keep in mind 
six months ago, nine months ago, we all believed that there was going to be, or, or maybe a contested con- convention. Hasn't been a contested convention really in, well, I think maybe since 1960, probably on the Democratic side, um, maybe 68 to an extent, but, but. You know, since the 1960s, for certain, I think a lot of us thought that maybe there would not be a defined Democrat candidate. Maybe you'd have floor fights. Maybe you'd have all those things. Truth of the matter is that's not going to occur. I mean, Joe Biden is going to be the Democrat nominee. The uh, race for the nomination is all over but the shouting. Bernie Sanders is hanging in there, wants to participate in one more debate. But, but like I say, the race is over. You're not going to have that giant floor fight or anything like that. So... I mean, maybe this is something that they can do by acclamation. You can do over, again, the Internet. Maybe you can do all this type of stuff. If that happens, it's going to really, really stink for the city of Milwaukee and for southeastern Wisconsin because this was a great opportunity. But I think at the end of the day, the Democratic National Convention may be another one of the casualties of coronavirus. We're, We're running out of time. And, again, if this stuff goes on, and the shutdown goes on for another month or so, I just don't see how you have enough time to get it up and, and get it together. So we, we don't know anything for sure yet. It would be unfortunate if it happens, but do not be surprised. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, back with more in just a minute. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. <laughs> So very glad to have you with us. We live in interesting times. As I've been pointing out all day, the stock market, which had a huge day yesterday, largest day, Dow Jones' best day in 87 years after a month of pretty much relentlessly bad news, um, isn't giving back the gains today. That's always one of the concerns. Dow is up, as we speak, uh, 1,235 points. Um, it, it's 21,900, so it's pushing 22,000. This, again, demonstrates part of the, the thing when people panic. You, you, you say, okay, I can't take this anymore. I'm going to sell. And But the problem is you, you never know when the, the bottom is. So if you sold on Friday, you would have missed out on a, a couple of these massive days of growth, which, by the way, isn't to say that there's not going to be more declines moving forward. I mean, none of us know that, but I mean, there, there's been big increases. And this is one of the reasons why if you try to time the market and think you, you know better and you know what's going to happen and your crystal ball is perfect, um, I, I go with God. That, that's great if you're able to do it. I'm just saying it's tough for investors to do it. Dow Jones up big. The reason the Dow was up big yesterday and today is it appears that at least in the U.S. Senate, there is an agreement between the Senate and the president on a massive stimulus proposal. And, and these these payments, the stimulus I mean, it's going to dwarf what we did back in in 2008. Candidly, this is where, and again, I'm I'm a free market guy and I'm a conservative, but this is one of these things where I do think government has as a role because we are in a crisis sort of situation, and this is where I think government has the role, not to micromanage people's everyday lives, but when collectively we as a nation are faced with just an unforeseeable um, battle and crisis, this is where government can step in. So here, here's some of the deals, and these are the highlights of what's coming out of the final measure. Um, direct 
$1,200 payments that would apply equally to workers with incomes up to $75,000 per year and then would phase out, end altogether for those earning more than 99000 So it would be targeted at, at middle uh, income people and lower. Families would receive an additional $500 per child. Um, lawmakers, and I think this is an important thing, agreed to a significant expansion of unemployment benefits that would extend unemployment insurance by 13 weeks and include a four-month enhancement of benefits. Okay, so this is, again, traditionally, unemployment insurance only lasts like 12 weeks or something like that, sometimes a little bit longer. Uh, the idea being in a market where there, there's pretty much like we've had lately, full employment, you know, you should be able to find a job in a couple months. Well, in this particular situation, given the fact that you've had so many businesses that have either been forced to shut down because of government order or have, have just shut down because coronavirus has everybody staying in. So I was using the example earlier on of the automobile industry. Even if the car dealers are open, my guess is there's not a lot of people that are going auto shopping right now. Now, maybe maybe for that one person out there whose car has just died and you need to buy a car, yeah, I understand why it's important to have the dealership open so you can have access to get the car that then, then gets you to work or whatever. But, but the general number of people, the folks who are saying, okay, well, I can buy the car now or I can buy the car in two months or three months, my guess is there's not a lot of them that are rushing out buying cars. So you have this unemployment insurance, which extends the ability, because I think at least short term, it's going to take a while. We're going to have to see how this shakes out. How many businesses are we going to end up losing? And then there's also a $500 billion fund, $425 billion for the Federal Reserve to leverage loans in order to help broad groups of distressed companies, and $75 billion for industry-specific loans, which will have oversight. Now, there's some people, and I've gotten texts from them, who are saying, why would we be lending money to businesses now? And, and my response has been, well, why wouldn't we be lending money to businesses? Where do you think jobs come from? If a business has to close because of what's going on and they have no income coming in over the course of the last several weeks, right, and they have to close, well, okay, when, when things start to get back to normal, they're, they're not, they're not going to have the revenue. They're not going to be able to open. They close permanently. All those people that work for them are, in fact, out of work. Now, I do think it is fair to say, all right, as a condition of getting government money, we want to have some control over what you do with it. We want to make sure that you're putting it into keeping your employees on the payroll and keeping the doors open as opposed to doing stock buybacks that enhance the value of the stock for shareholders and things like that. That's fair, and and they put in some safeguards. But those are some of the highlights of this, and it's clearly being responded to well by Wall Street because we've got to keep business operating. And when we get back to normal, we want to make sure that there are jobs that people have to get back to. The economy was just kicking butt. Over the course of the last couple of years, this has been a huge body blow to it. And anything we can do to make sure that, again, people have jobs to come back to, seems to me that's what we have to do, and that's what this stimulus does. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Welcome back. Glad to have you with us. I love that commercial for the Humane Society talking about dogs. Mike. My little dog loves having me home and 
she sits at my feet for most of the show and probably once a show you might hear her when somebody comes to the door or walks past you hear that bark but that 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 that's okay it's just it's kind of real life that, that's out there and that's kind of what my real life looks like but i think she likes having me home at least i kind of hope so all right uh we have an election coming up two weeks from yesterday I know we discussed this for a little bit on the program yesterday, but I've been really giving it a lot of thought. And I've kind of come to the conclusion that we really have no choice but to push back the date of the election. I don't think it is practical to go ahead and try to have people vote in less than two weeks. Now, let's... Our number, by the way, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let me explain my rationale here. First of all, this election, the, the, the banner thing is the presidential primary. As we were just discussing a little while ago, the, the luster has gone off of that. I mean, the, the truth of the matter is Joe Biden is going to be the Democrat nominee. Donald Trump is going to be the Republican nominee. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, people shouldn't have an opportunity to vote, but but there isn't this sense of urgency. There's nothing magic with having to have that primary, they uh, that the primary election on on April seventh, as opposed to June fifth or or whatever date that you you might want to pick a month or two months from now. That that's the reality. When it comes to the other elections that are on the ballot, the the marquee race is a state supreme court race. Justice Dan Kelly running for election against a very very liberal challenger. Um, that. That election, as well as all the other judicial elections, are important. But but keep in mind, Dan Kelly's term runs till I believe it's August first. So for all the judicial elections that are out there, you know you you know it's it's important to know who the next Supreme Court justice is going to be. But it really doesn't matter, given that the term runs through July. Um, those that's fine. Those judges are going to continue to serve. So all the various judges, and that's true, I believe, of, of all the county judges as, as well, circuit court judges, it, it doesn't matter. They can stay in office. Their term doesn't expire till August 1st, so there's nothing magic about having that election date in April. You can do it in June, and you can still, if, you know, the, the judge who's running for re-election loses, they, their, their replacement can still be sworn in, you know, in time to start what would be the new term. It's a little bit of a dicier situation, I admit, with some local offices. For example, Tom Barrett's term expires sometime, I believe, in, in mid-April. So if you didn't have an election until June, well, you know, he'd have to continue to serve after his term was expired. But I, I think there's emergency provisions in the city charter that allow you to do that. Now, that's not an optimal situation. It's not. But but here's the reality, and one of the things I try to do on this program is live in the real world, right? The, the reality is, first of all, you're just not going to be able to get poll workers to, to show up on election day. You know, I was looking at this. I was looking at the story out of Dane County, and I don't think they're being alarmist. The local elections officials are saying, you know, they're already getting calls from you know their their poll workers. Who are saying we're, we're not coming in? Madison City Clerk, I'm looking at the story in the Madison paper, said 525 poll workers, or roughly half of those who were scheduled to work, canceled for the April 7th election. And that's 
you know, that that's a couple weeks out. You know it's going to be more and more than that. And the reality of this whole thing is we're, we're under this, you know, stay-at-home or shelter-at-home or whatever you want to call it, order. The people that tend to work at the polls tend to be older. They tend to be in more of the higher-risk categories. So I, I think it, it's very difficult to ask these people to, to come in and sit there for 12 or 13 hours. That That's just the reality of the world we live in, I don't think we're going to be able to get poll workers who are going to be willing to show up in the next two weeks. Mayor Barrett came up with what, with all due respect, I think is his harebrained idea. He said, well, I don't, he agrees that I don't think they're going to be poll workers, and he doesn't necessarily think it's safe for those poll workers, but his idea is that what he wants to do is let's, um, let's have them, let's, let's have a mail election. Well, that's, that, that's just, in my opinion, I don't even know if it's constitutional. I tend to doubt it, but it's certainly not workable. I mean, how are you going to get ballots in the hands of all the people who might not get the message? I mean, you want to talk about disenfranchising a large group of people. Well, then you say you can only vote by mail. That is not practical. You have to have, in my opinion, an in-person election. And that's the only fair thing to do. But given the reality of the fact that it's going to be very difficult to conduct an election in less than two weeks under the situation that we're having now, am, am I missing something? Seems to me the only reasonable alternative at this point is to say we're going to push it back. Now, I don't know that the governor has the authority to do that on his own. Legal folks are, are split on that, might need the legislators, legislature's support to do it. But this is one that I think we should all be able to get behind. And let me just throw one other thing in, and then we're going to open up the phone lines. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Doesn't it make sense to put off the election for 60 days? The, the, the other thing I would throw in, from a perspective of, of the candidates, right? I, I don't know about you, but the last thing I have been doing is following, you know, the elections for the people that are running for office. I mean, there, there's all sorts of other, like, real-world things that have come up to the first or the second or the third tier. And, and I just don't think people are, are paying attention. I don't think it's been fair to the candidates who candidly have pretty much had their campaigns just completely and totally disrupted. No more personal appearances. I mean, you, know, you don't have campaign events. No more rallies. None of those things. And, and I think from the general perspective of giving everybody a chance to take a deep breath, reassess, let the candidates, and, and hopefully by the end of April, you know, they're going to be able to get back and they're going to be able to get out on the stump and we'll be able to have group meetings and people can hear about it. Just from the perspective of democracy, it seems to me there shouldn't be anything magic about that April 7th date. And whether or not we can do it by a governor order or whether the legislature needs to get on board, doesn't it just flat out make sense to say, let's push this off for two months? The new term of the Supreme Court, like I say, that's not going to make any difference because Judge Kel Justice Kelly, he's on the bench, win or lose, until August 1st. I mean, that... That's not the issue. Yeah, Tom Barrett might get an extra six weeks as mayor if he were to lose. Don't think that's going to happen. But that's not going to be the end of the world. We're in a crisis time. Does it make any sense to go ahead with the April 7th election? And, and how do we even do that as a practical matter? 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Can we really still vote in less than two weeks? And is it fair to anybody? 
if we have to go ahead and vote in two weeks. All the people that have already early voted, well, oh, okay, I mean, they're, they're in, they probably don't care, but maybe if around the rest of the state, maybe we should care. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I say kick it back two months. What do you think? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. Let's start with Pete in Oconomowoc. Hi, Pete. Hi, Jeff. How are you, sir? I am well. Okay, does it make any sense to go ahead and try to have a statewide election in less than two weeks? Well, I think what's happening in your certain communities, mine being Oconomowoc, is that I've already waited a week for my absentee ballot, still have not seen it. And now they've also instituted a voting time period for absentees of 11.30 to 3.30 during the week. How is the average Joe going to get off his job at 4.30 or 5 o'clock, provided he's still working, supposed to go in there and vote during those ridiculous hours? That in itself tells you you can't have an election if you're not going to accommodate the people. Well, well, exactly. And I mean, I understand this talking about mail ballots and stuff. What, what about everybody that that hasn't requested a ballot in the mail, which is the vast majority of people in Wisconsin? Right? What, what are we going to do to get their ballots in their hands to explain to them this? I, I guess you just look at all the practical things that are going on, and, and to me, the only conclusion is there's nothing magic about April seventh. Push it back sixty days. Somebody sent me a text. Um, that Pete that just said, "Well, what if what if things aren't better in sixty days? Well, okay, then then you reassess. <laughs> okay, then 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 you reassess. But I mean, at least I'm thinking right I, now. I think 60 this will days really disenfranchise the senior citizen. It really, really will. They're not high on technology, and and no. I don't know how they're getting the word that those hours are going to be so limited, and they're not leaving their homes as it is right now. So no, no. Thanks for the call, Peter. Well, it's not only going to just thanks for the call. I appreciate it. It's not going to just only disenfranchise senior citizens, but what about I don't know what about low income folks that don't have maybe access to as the the internet or aren't as socially act, or aren't as active on social media or just don't end up getting the word. I mean, no, we 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 want elections, and I, I do think it, it's interesting. And I, I'm look, I'm not going to rip on Tom Barrett. He's got a lot of stuff going on, but I do think it's interesting that you know Tom Barrett, who's been one of these guys who's been preaching. Um, inclusivity. We have to do everything we can to get as many people to the polls as possible. We would talk about like mail ball- ballots, which you know by definition will dramatically limit the number of people that are going to end up voting. Steve in Oconomowoc. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yeah. Hi, Jeff. Hi, hi Steve. Um, so, so where I work, which is a school, there is uh, is one of the polling places, and there's probably 25 to 30 poll workers. At, even at the, the first primary, um, most of them are elderly, and yep. you know if they follow the rules, they're not going to be there. So I don't even know how they how government can even do an election, considering that they're probably going to be severely short staffed, uh, and then also the safety of their elderly. You know, it doesn't yeah, make sense. I mean. No, the, the poll workers, and at the same time, you know, we're, we're also telling people to we're telling people to shelter in place. We're telling people it's too dangerous for you know if you run a dog grooming business that you're by yourself most of the day. It's too dangerous for you to stay open because you're going to have to have interaction with people. But yet we're going to say to folks here, everybody go line up and, and vote. I mean, it's just it, look, I, we live in extraordinary times. Is delaying an election a great alternative? No, but it's to me, I guess it's the 
only it's the only thing that makes sense given where we are with what's going on with the coronavirus. Many states have already done this. I don't know what the what's wrong with it. Yeah, I, I th- thanks for call. And I mean, again, I, I don't. And I, I, okay, some people are saying there's there's a political motivation behind this because for for much of the state, and and, and this is this is a quirk of state law, which has been validated by a Madison federal court uh, ju- judge in federal court. By by a quirk in state law, we allow some communities to open up for early voting before others. And so in heavily Democratic enclaves of Madison and Milwaukee, the, the, the ability to go in and early vote absentee, in-person absentee voting, that, that's been available for a, at least the, the last week or so. In most of the rest of the state, the clerks didn't open up till May, till the 23rd. So as this crisis has gotten worse, you've had people in, in certain areas, and it tends to be more heavily Democratic areas, and I don't mean to get political about this, but this is the reality, you know, people in those areas have had a greater opportunity to vote than people who live in the rest of the state. That just doesn't strike me as as fair. And and yeah, fair is a word that we end up using. I just don't know how practically you are going to be able to conduct an election. Now, I have a, a text from someone who says, well, here's what we should do. I think Tony Evers should activate the National Guard use the guard as poll workers um they're presumably relatively young and healthy and at low risk um then what we do is we set up drive-through voting and we have the guardsmen wear protective gear oh okay wouldn't it just be simpler for for just kicking the election back a month or two months i mean as opposed to we're going to activate the national guard we're going to try to train them then we're going to put them in you know hazmat suits okay and what is that going to say to the people who are, are going to come out and how do we square the orders and the instructions that we're getting saying only go out for essential things um, but yet it's okay to like stand in line with lots of people at the polls. You want to talk about a recipe for incredibly, incredibly depressed turnout, you know, that's that's it. Now, again, I understand the states that, that have pushed stuff back, it, it's been... It's been primaries, and that's why, to me, kicking the presidential primary back two months is no big deal one way or the other. There, there's, there's, there's nothing magic that says that has to happen. Kicking the, the rest of the elections back is a bigger deal, especially for the local offices where the terms expire. All right, I, I understand that, but we, we're here in extraordinary times, and I think you know we just have to understand that if we don't, delay the election, given the stay-at-home and shelter-in-place orders and things like that, we're going to be looking at an absolute nightmare come April 7th when we have a third as many, and like I say, they're saying in Madison, already, two weeks ahead of time, already they've got 50% of the poll workers have already said we're not going to show up. That's, that's not going to get better. That's just flat not going to get better. It's going to get worse why don't we just be proactive? Why don't we just anticipate this? Why don't we just recognize that, that voting by mail is not practical at this point? Now, if you want to have a discussion that maybe, you know, two years down the line or four years down the line, we, we gear up and we have a mail-only election, okay, we can have that discussion. You, you can't put that in place in less than two weeks, though. No way. Kick back the election solves a lot of problems, and then if we're still in a mess in early June, well, then let's talk about it then. Um, we'll be back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.
Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. We will get through this together. Lots of serious stuff going on. Every once in a while, though, there, there's stories that just kind of make me smile. Right now, we are under a shelter-in-place or shelter-in-home order, and, and that, that applies to a lot of the different states. And what happens is the orders allow essential businesses to stay open. And that, that's always there's always a lot of wiggle room. What exactly is an essential business, and why does it make sense to have this business open and not that business open? And, and, and I, I think it's fair to raise certain questions about you know whether or not I don't know, closing the very small businesses makes any sense. Telling the woman who owns the small hard Hallmark gift store that you got to close down, but if you run the big grocery store that's got a greeting card section, okay, you can stay open. But I, but I, I don't mean to quibble. I understand what we are trying to accomplish, which is social distancing and limiting physical contact. I get it. It is interesting to me, and there's a big story that just came out in the Wall Street Journal that talks about what an essential business is varies depending on what part, what state you're in, and certainly what country you're in. And I, I just have to laugh. For example, in Amsterdam, and we were just in Amsterdam you know, last, last year as part of our cruise. That's where it started off. Um, the, the, the head shops, the pot shops, are apparently considered to be an essential business. So you can close down the bars. But you can't close down the pot stores. And if you've ever walked around Amsterdam, by the way, I love Amsterdam. It is a city with a pulse. But you go down some of these alleys and stuff, and it's, I'm telling you, it's like being in a rock concert in 1971. I mean, it's just, there's a contact high from all the pot that's in the air. But, you know, the pot stores, they are essential businesses in, in Amsterdam. In Amsterdam and then um, across the, the way in Belgium, Another one of the visit businesses. Now we've got we've got all these businesses closed down. Our restaurants are all closed down because the the idea is we don't want people to be able to to stand close to each other and associate. Remember the original order that the governor had ordered restaurants closed, but it allowed people to go inside the restaurant to wait to pick up the food. Well, okay, they changed all that because what they found is, you know, people were, were congregating inside waiting for their takeout. So now now the rule is it's got to be a strict, a strictly either delivery or curbside or, or whatever. Well, in, in Amsterdam and um, in Belgium, one of the, the in, in all of Belgium, one of the big things is, is French fries. And, and it, I, I told this story before. We were, when we were in Amsterdam, the first night there, we're walking with, with our friends Peter and Betty, and we're, we're passing this little storefront, and there's a line about 50 or 60 people deep to buy French fries. I mean, that, that's essentially what they're, you know, it's like a paper cone, and they put French fries in them, and they've got like 20 different topics that are basically variations of mayonnaise and ketchup and things like that, and, you know, onions and stuff like that. But, but the line is like 50 deep. And I remember sitting there thinking, these must be really, really special French fries. And I'm wondering, okay, what, what is their secret here? And is this one where 
my, my gosh, maybe we should try to figure out what's so magic about these French fries and see if we can, like, buy a license and bring it back to Milwaukee. Okay, so I'm thinking about this, and I'm talking to my friends about this. And then a couple days later, we're, we're there, and it's a, it's a Saturday night, and we're walking around, and it's raining. And we come back, we pass the same French fry place, and there's this huge line, except this time it's almost twice as long, and it's raining. People are standing out in the rain to get these French fries. And I'm thinking, my goodness, what? And I said, at that point in time, i got to know what this is. And so my wife is, of course, looking at me with that look that all you women learn from your mothers, that, that I married a moron type of look. And so I'm standing in line in the rain with my friend Betty, and we're, we're waiting to get the French fries. And it's raining, and it's raining, and we're standing there, and we finally get the, the French fries, and we bring them back, and the four of us eat them, and they're, they're, they're okay. I mean, they're, they're, they were fine, but they weren't anything special. And, and it's like, okay, why would you wait in the rain for 10 or 15 minutes to get these french fries to which my my wife just looks at me and says jeff don't you understand this is amsterdam they're all high they all have the munchies that's what they're standing in line for they've got the munchies so what could be better than french fries covered in what and it did occur to me that yep that is probably the case. Now, I bring this up and tell that the story because, again, the Wall Street Journal pointing out, and they've got a big picture of this, the, the social distancing, right? We're told to separate. There is a line of people standing, waiting to get into one of the cannabis shops and another line of lo- people 30, 40 deep standing, huddled together, waiting to get their French fries. So I guess we say some businesses are essential, some aren't, but it depends on where you are because I guess the, those French fries and pot are essential if you're in certain parts of the world. Just goes to show. Okay, speaking about going to certain parts of the world All right, are you going to be able to get there, and how soon? I will explain, and we will discuss in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All right, there's an ongoing debate. We talked about this in the first hour of the program about when can you start to open up the country. President Trump said he'd like to see this process start by by Easter. A lot of people just up in arms, oh, that's terrible. You're putting the economy ahead of lives. Governor Evers says, well, I'm, I'm going to issue this order that went into place today. He wants to keep it into effect for a, a month, um, but he says that he could change it. So we're having this ongoing debate about when when we can start to get back to a sense of normal, and, and what is what is the def, def, definition of that, given the fact that coronavirus isn't going anywhere. That, that's just the, the reality. It's probably going to be 12 months before you get a vaccination, uh, before you get a vaccine that deals with this, and even then lots of people aren't going to get the vaccinations first time out. So how do we have that, that balancing? So that, that's an issue to discuss, and we've talked about it, and we'll continue to discuss it. But part of the other problem is is how we react to things. Um, the airline industry right now is is essentially shut down. If you talk to people who fly and are still flying, they will tell you that walking through major airports that used to be completely and totally jammed, it's like this surreal experience because it's like being all by yourself. Um, Now, I understand that lots of international flights have been grounded, but the reality is a lot of airlines are making the decisions to voluntarily shut down because there's nobody flying. 
And it, it's really strange. If, if you look at this, now, I mean, for the last several years, I don't know about you, but pretty much every time when I got on an airplane, the airplane was full. You know, they'd come over and they'd say, okay, they're, they're, you're flying southwest. They'd say, look, if you think you're going to have that middle seat empty, it's not going to happen because every seat on this plane is full. That is not the case anymore, and it's not because of government orders or anything like that. It's because people are simply saying we're, we're not traveling right now. Now, part of that is because in many states you're, you're encouraged not to do that, but people just aren't traveling. They're not getting on planes. And what you're seeing is that the major airlines are making big-time cutbacks. Southwest, looking at a story out of USA Today today, says that they're going to cut 1,500 daily flights as passenger levels and bookings hit unimaginable lows. Southwest Airlines planned to cancel 1,500 daily flights beginning Friday as the airline and its competitors take drastic steps to offset historic declines in travel demand from the virus. Um, that's about a 40% reduction in, in their flights. Now, this is, of course, not unique to Southwest Airlines, American Airlines, United Airlines, Delta, they're all going through the same thing. They're shuttering planes. Um, and again, it's not because the government says you can't fly. It's because, in general, people are deciding that they're not going to get on airplanes. All right, I want to have an honest conversation. Our number, 855-616-1620. All right, I'm scheduled to go to Disney World in June. Somebody sent me a snippy email saying, why would you go to Disney World in June? Well, it's because I love my brother and my niece and nephew, and they invited me to go with them to Disney World in June, so that's what we're going to do, assuming that Disney World is open and assuming that you can get a reasonable flight that's there. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Are you reluctant to fly? And, and, you know, once we get through this, however, however you define getting through this, do you think that you are going to be significantly more reluctant than you were in the past to get on an airplane? Because, look, I have to tell you, I, 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 don't, I don't love a lot about air travel, okay? I, I just don't. I find it to be it's just kind of a, a pain. I think I'm like, like most people. But I love to go to different places, and, you know, I'm, I'm willing to put up with air travel to get there. Well, okay, lots of people are now saying, we just don't want to get anywhere near airplanes. We don't want to be confined. All right, when, when we get through this, whether it's two weeks from now or four weeks from now, I mean, are you going to be willing, are you hesitant to jump on a jet? 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, and, and be honest, are, do you think moving forward, for the foreseeable future, you are going to be hesitant to fly? 855-616-1620. Crew is lining up the calls we discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Be honest, because I'm, I'm, I'm really curious as to what normal is, and I'm curious as to how long this is going to impact a, a major, you know, you want to talk about a major industry in this country, that would be the airlines. When you think about also all the other stuff that, you know, flows from that. All right, 855-616-1620. You're going to be reluctant to get on a plane in the future. We discuss. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, again, there, there's things that are closed down by the order of the government. 
but there's other stuff that ends up closing down or changing because of just market conditions. That One of the things is playing out with the airlines. Southwest cutting 40% of its capacity because nobody's booking flights anymore. Is that going to be the new normal? How long is it going to take for the airline industry to come back? Let's start with Andy in Pewaukee. Andy, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Um, yes, I was very concerned about our flying, and we were actually scheduled for a trip next week to Florida. So okay. I did cancel our flight, but this is the crazy part. We called the timeshare that we own, and we told them, yeah, we're not going to be coming, and, you know, is there any kind of a refund or anything we can do with the association fee? And she said, oh, no problem. We're at full capacity this week and next week as well. We'll be able to accommodate you. <laughs> now, I know for a fact that a lot of the people that I meet at the pool that I've owned this for 20-some years are from New York, Nova Scotia, Canada, upstate New York, Washington State. They're yeah. all there on their, their vacations like never nothing, like nothing is going on in the world right now. Huh. Well, and I just well, couldn't I believe the, people... the front desk lady was telling me, oh, yeah, we're at full capacity. I'm like, it's no big deal. Huh. Well, I hope the people that are there from New York have been there for the last month or two as opposed to just flying down there. Um, hey, thanks for the call. In- interesting. I-, I mean, look, see, I- I- here's the thing. I, I think... I think we're going to get back to normal. I mean, I think people are going to want to are going to want to travel now. I mean, my hesitation is, yeah, you know, I I don't want to go somewhere right now if you if you get there and you're not able to do anything. You know, I mean, a lot of our states, you know, you you can't go out. All the bars, the restaurants are closed. So that that to me doesn't make any sense. But once we get past this, whenever it is, I'm still going to want to travel. I mean, I'm. I'm looking at going back to Las Vegas in, in October, assuming there's a new normal. I'm not hesitant to do it, but I think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be reluctant. And candidly, I think it's going to take a little while for the airlines to gear back up. Kelly in Slinger. Kelly, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks so for we're supposed to be leaving for Disney World in about two weeks, which obviously is very unlikely to happen. Um, However, once things are up and running, I won't hesitate for a second to get on a plane, get on a cruise ship, um, go anywhere, because I love to travel, and I'm not going to let that hold me back. Yeah, you know, I I think, you know, and I will tell you, I I think that this is, for people who have been looking for opportunities to, to travel and to go different places and to take the cruises, I think that in the near future, it's going to be a great time because, candidly, I think a lot of these, these vacation packages, whether it's the cruises or flights or getting people to travel to these tourist locations, I think you're going to see deals that we I never would have anticipated seeing in our lifetime because they're going to have to incentivize people. I think there's a lot of people who might be reluctant to travel, but if you get a great deal going to Disney or you get a great deal going to wherever, or you get a great deal on that Caribbean cruise, I think people, I mean, at least I hope people give it a thought and say, okay, I'm, I'm going to take advantage of this, and, and, and we all get through this. I sure hope so. You know, we have a son that will be leaving for college in fall, and we're hoping to be able to do a couple of family trips before he yeah. goes, and you know, hoping that this will be, you know, this will happen sooner rather than later. 
Yeah, hey, thanks for the call, Kelly. And, and I know all my friends in the travel industry certainly, you know, hope that that's the case as well. And I, and and look, I, I mean, I remember after nine eleven, and this is different than nine eleven, but after nine eleven, I mean, the airline industry just pretty much cratered because people were afraid to travel. This this is a different sort of thing, and and I don't know that people are afraid to travel or people afraid to be on the airplane. Not necessarily. I think it's the concern that. All right, if you go somewhere, you know, what might happen? Might you get stuck there? You fly to Europe, you know, are you going to be able to get back? Those types of things. I, I mean, at least I hope that's the case, and I hope the industry is able to, you know, really gear up pretty quickly. Let's talk to Alex in Kenosha. Alex, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Yeah, I just I just wanted to let you know, I booked a, a flight for me and my wife in December going to um, uh, Germany. She's always wanted to go see the Christmas markets there. So we're going to tour around Germany, going to the Christmas markets. Our our round-trip flight for each of us was a little under $300, and I did make sure I bought some travel insurance that covers in case anything's canceled or whatever, including the coronavirus. So as far as I'm concerned, we're going, and we're looking forward to it. So. Your round trip, you said your round trip to, I presume you're leaving from like Chicago to, to Germany was 300 bucks a piece? Right, exactly. On Lufthansa. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, I mean, I mean, I mean, if anybody's looking for deals to go somewhere, now's the time to book it as long as you can push it far enough out. Yeah, I mean, I guess, right, that, that's, that's the case. Matter of fact, I, the, I was kind of looking, like I say, there, there's a weekend in, La, in October that I typically look to go to Las Vegas, and uh, they, they don't have the flights up for it yet. But as soon as they, they do, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and book it because I, I'm not going to be worried about traveling. I'm just, I mean, I, I, my bigger concern is I don't want to go somewhere where I'm going to get stuck because of this virus stuff. And, again, I, I don't want to go somewhere where everything's going to be closed so it doesn't make any sense. Hey, th- thanks for the call, Alex, and, and, and kudos. My, I take my hat off to you. Looks like it's a great opportunity to do that. And I mean, my guess is, my guess is it'll be fine in October, in December. I mean, we're scheduled to do a trip in, in September. I don't know a, a cruise, a river cruise in September. I, I'm, I'm not planning on canceling that. Now, maybe, you know, talk to me in four months. Maybe that it'll look different. But, but my guess is, you know, where we're going in France, I, my guess is it's going to be business as usual. It's going to be open for business. That is my sense. Now, again, I could reassess that in three months, but am I thinking about canceling now? Heck no. And I, I think I, I think anybody, if you've got plans in two weeks, I get it. It's a different factor. But um, if you're talking about stuff in the fall or in December, I'd say just let it ride and, and see where it ends up.